All right. So this book, Reclaiming Vatican II, really, really great. It's, it's probably the um, just most accessible thing that I've found. Uh, there's another book by uh, George Weigel, if you want something a little bit more, uh, more dense. Um, both of them are, are solid. Um, they're, they're non-polemic. They're both just good men who love the church and are trying to help us to understand Vatican II and, like it says, reclaim the vision of Vatican II. Uh, so both of them are kind of getting at the same, same thing, but just slightly different levels. Uh, this one, yeah, just really, really great. Uh, so, so feel free to, I mean, I, you'll, you'll gain so much more by, by reading that, and you'll have a little bit, help, hopefully, broader picture from this class as well. Um, so how does, a, how does a council work? We've all seen the pictures of, you know, all these bishops and cardinals packed into St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, they, they spent millions of dollars, I mean, I think, I forget the figure, something like $7 million uh, to, to run this thing, and that's in 1960, that's a lot of money, uh, plus there's a lot of bills to pay, like a lot of the bishops couldn't afford to even fly over, so, you know, the Vatican had to pick up the bill for this, 2,500 bishops are coming to the Vatican for three, four months at a time uh, over the course of four years. And uh, that's, it just sounds like, the, I think, I think the, the miracle is that this actually like happened, you know. I mean, that somebody had the logistical oversight to, uh, of this whole project is, that's, that's a miracle in and of itself. I mean, that's, that's an amazing amount of uh, things to, to coordinate. So in addition to the 2,500 bishops, uh, they, most of the bishops had a liturgical or a, a theological advisor. Um, so Cardinal, our uh, father Ratzinger was at the council as a uh, as a, a theologian. You know, his bishop wasn't wasn't as theologically astute as him. So he said, "I want you to come." And basically, it's kind of like, what did they say? He said this. Okay, what should I say? You say this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and so uh, Ratzinger, even as, a, even as a young young priest at the time, was very influential in several key moments in the, in the council and some of the, some of the documents. Um, uh, Cardinal Carol Wojtyla was also at the, at the council. I think he was, uh, I don't know if he was a cardinal at the time or just a, a bishop, but he was, he was able to contribute, and he has lots of contributions, uh, so many so that later, mm-hmm. later on when he's quoting uh, the council and documents that he wrote, he's really just quoting himself uh, <laughs> because he, like, wrote that part. So, um, so... And then in addition to, in addition to the theological um, advisors, then you have other, other people. There would be observers and um, uh, other, other inv- invitees and visitors, and there'd be these big masses and all sorts of things. So, so you'd have, I don't know how all the, all the ins and outs go, but basically you have all these bishops and their, and their you know, cohort, and they're listening to somebody speak. And basically each bishop would get something like, several minutes to talk, and this is in Latin, and this is in uh, a building that's not necessarily built for, you know, uh, auditory acoustics. It's for, you know, song and big, big sound. Um, All these old men who can't hear very well as it is, who have to go to the bathroom all the time, 
You know, it's like, I mean, just again, think of like the logistical nightmare. We, we can t- kind of tend to glamorize these things sometimes. Like, oh, I bet it was just so prayerful and spiritual. I'll tell you how prayerful and spiritual it was. From Texas came young Bishop Levin, where the shooters are six and not seven, saying they gave me the pip he blazed away at the hip, sending numerous bishops to heaven. These are actual limericks that were written by actual bishops during the council. (laughs) We are 2,000 patres in session who feel a great weight of oppression. What with cardinals talking and lesser light squawking, thank goodness the bar is so refreshing. (laughs) So one one of the side chapels was turned into a coffee bar so that the bishops could go there and stay awake and have their conversations. And so the English-speaking bishops wrote dozens of these. I put the link there if you want to look them up. Um, the, more you, the more names you know and the more you know about what's going on, the funnier they are. But you just get an idea of, you know, not that they're not taking it seriously, but it's not just like pomp and piety. There, there's, there's some levity and some boredom and some politicking going on as well. So, um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the bishops would get a, get a chance to speak. Um, before the council even begins, there's dozens of schemas and drafts of uh, committees put together of all the different things that they're going to talk about. So uh, the Pope sent out to all the bishops all over the world, hey, what do you think needs to be, be spoken of? And it comes back with, I forget the number, but it's thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of suggestions of these are the things that are really important to talk about in, uh, in a, in a in a council. Thousands of pages. I don't know who the one who had to go through all of those thousands of pages is or if they ever got read, but needless to say, that's a lot of, a lot of prep work, a lot of things that are on a lot of, so, you know, they probably did, you know, like, okay, well, there's several guys think we should talk about this, and, you know, this, this one keeps coming up. Um, and then, obviously, there's probably things that are on the Pope's mind that, well, we, we're going to talk about these things. Uh, so, in the beginning, the 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 um, it's, it seemed like what was going to happen was hey here's the the thing that we already prepared the document that we already prepared and you guys can go ahead and vote on it now but what happened very early on and actually in um, Cardinal Rat- and Ratzinger's um, biography uh, he and he and some of the uh, the German bishops were actually really influential in making this happen but pretty quick on it went from no, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna rubber stamp something that the curia put together. We're actually gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna chime in and we're gonna make this thing what we think it needs to be. And so I think that was probably a really uh, good uh, move uh, and an interesting interesting turn of events. But you can you can imagine that um, you know so over the course of three years, 1962 to 1965. There were four sessions, so they're about three months each. So all these bishops would go three months, then they go home, and most of them probably forget about everything, or they go home and start maybe implementing what they think should be implemented, or start doing something that sh- they th- they want to want to happen or want to um, want to implement in their diocese. And so this this is where there's uh, some of the confusion um, begins. Uh, and you can see too, you know, like, well, what's 
what are bishops doing in the, in the evenings and other times? Well, they're going out, they're having dinners, they're at the coffee bar, they're having a glass of wine, they're, they're talking their own agendas. I've been with groups of priests. I know how this sort of thing goes. I literally was at uh, a, priest, uh, a priest assembly a couple of years ago, right when the synod here was being launched. And I was sitting, for, I was sitting at breakfast time with two old-timers, retired priests, and... And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and they're, they're talking to each other. Yeah, so do you think this is the time to, to bring up ordaining women? Or do you think, you know, I'm like, wow. They're just like, no, you know, like, but those are the type of conversations. Whether, whether even though the bishop had already said, yeah, that's, not, we can't do that, you know. We can't, not only can we not do that, but we as the church can't do that. Uh, we're not talking about changing theology. But this is, this is where certain minds always go. And so you can, you can bet that there were, there were bishops, there were priests, there were theologians, there were others who were having those side conversations that, hey, this is a good opportunity. This is a good opportunity to do something. That maybe, maybe it's not what's being said, but also what's being said is like everything's being said. Everything's being collected. Everything's being um, given, given the time of, of day. Um, but that's not, that's not where you get the documents. Uh, so the, the, real, the real breakdown is precisely, and this is where um, uh, this guy, uh, Father Blake Britton, uh, really goes into the, the spirit of the council uh, versus the actual council. You know, what, did, what did the actual council documents say and what were all the things that were kind of being said and or being picked up by the media. And that was, that was the other big thing that we forgot to mention in all the changes over the, the many, many years. Like we now lived in an age of the media and they were present. And, um, and I don't know, I mean, you guys have probably had this situation, you know, maybe a, a local newspaper or something. I got interviewed by the Catholic Spirit one time before ordination and I read the article and there were all sorts of false information in there, you know. And this is by somebody who's a friend trying to, like, you know, build up another friend in a Catholic newspaper. I'm like, that's not true. That's not what I said. Where did they get that? And so even, even when a, a, a reporter is trying to do a good thing, it doesn't always translate, right? And so now you have, you have uh, media who, they, they don't, they don't know church politics. They don't know church lingo. They don't know church jargon. They don't know how the church operates. And so for them, they just see a, a very political sort of situation. There was certainly politics, but they boil it down to here's, here's the liberals are saying, here's what the conservatives are saying, here's the, the progressives, here's the, you know, uh, which were terms and categories that weren't really helpful for what was actually uh, going on. Um, so I think this is, this is really where, um, this is, this is where we get into a lot of trouble. And there were, there were priests, one of them was Hans Kuhn, uh, who was, uh, who ended up becoming kind of like the, the media poster boy. You know, we have him in every, every age, right? So uh, who's the, who's the clergy? Like, hey, he's going to represent the Catholic Church and tell us everything. And he was, the, well, he, he was a super, um, 
what now we would call him very liberal. I don't know if he remained Catholic, but the stuff that he ended up publishing and stuff was not even close to Orthodox theology uh, in, in, the, in the end. And he was the one who was one of the main media, hey, what, what's, what's going on in the council? And so he can make it say whatever he wants it to say. And I'm sure there were others doing the same thing. Um, making, making the council say what they wanted it to say. And so you hear something and, oh, that's what the council said. We still do that today. You hear what Pope Francis said? Oh my gosh, Pope Francis said that. Where did he, where did he say that? Is it written down somewhere? Well, yeah, it was in an interview. Okay, have you read the interview? Well, no, but I saw the headline. You're like, we do that now. Right? We do that now with the and 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 we do that with like you could read you could read the transcript right now, you could watch the video of what happened right now. They're doing that with without that, that luxury, even there's nothing to fact check yourself on. This guy said he was in he was in a private meeting with all these all these bishops. Nobody else is there to contradict anything he said, and he said this, and that's all I got to go on. So you can imagine, I mean, the the, the way that fake news travels. To, on, on social media, well, it's the same way in, in anything. Fake news always travels faster than, than real news. And so the fake news is flying. And then what's happening in the, in the meantime? Is there, is, there any, is, there any, is there any document? You know how long it took for the first document to come out? I mean, they're, they're meeting. So uh, let's see, the council opens in 1962. Uh, John the John the twenty third dies in nineteen sixty three. By the way, um, so then they kind of pause, and then they get a new pope, and then they start up again, and they're talking about all the stuff. And so how it would go is like, hey, here's the here's the document on the liturgy. What do you guys think? Uh, yay, no, no, change this, change that, and they're like, okay. So goes back into revisions. Uh, next time they come back to Rome, they say, okay, hey, how about how about this? Uh, I don't know about that. And, and so then they're going back home and saying, hey, so this, it looks like we're going to say this. I'm like, oh, we're going to say that? Oh, it looks like we're going to say this. Oh, uh, we are going to do that. Uh, and then we come back, oh, no, we're not going to do that. We actually, the revisions changed that, so it's not going to happen that way. And then, finally, you vote on it. The document gets public, the, the, the document Sacro Sanctum Concilium gets um, officially decreed in December 4 of 1963, so the end of uh, Advent of, of uh, 1963. But then, where, where do you read it? Like, where do you read a papal document in 1963? I tried to look it up. I can't find, like, when did that even get translated into English? I mean, now it's, I mean, they're, they're flying, you know, things get translated like that. But 1963, you, you don't, you, you, latest papal document from Vatican II. You can't, you can't Google that. You know, so you're waiting months for something to come out to read it on paper, but you're hearing everything that it already said. And by the time, by the time it comes out, I don't need to read it. I know everything that it said. That's, 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 precisely, that's precisely the problem. Um, when, we, when we talk more extensively about the liturgy, and that was the first document, so <clears throat> it had the most time to kind of run amok because, yes, we published this, and it did say, hey, some things are going to change, but we don't got time to 
actually do anything about it because we're still running the council. We still got, we got, we got 15 other documents to finalize. Um, so, uh, but in the, in the course of just several years, I mean, there's basically, I was trying to, I was trying to count them all up, but there's like a dozen different, um, papal statements, uh, uh, documents that were issued from 1963 until 1974. There's like 20 maybe. Um, so it's like, oh, this. Oh, and by the way, you, you can do this. And by the way, stop doing that. Um, so it just got into, uh, yeah, it just got into a big, big, big mess. Um, there was, there was one, uh, one cardinal who um, he bemoaned that he had, he had contributed to one document, and he just said, every single bishop has misinterpreted what I wrote in that paragraph. And again, these are your these are your friends, and he's like, no, that's not that's not what I that's not what I said. So um, you, you can just see that e- even if even if the Holy Spirit is operative in you know this this council, um, the evil spirits are equally you know doing their doing their darndest to make sure that it doesn't get off the ground. So this is why Pope Benedict, uh, you know, 50 years later can say. We still need to get to the real council, not the virtual council. Um, let's uh, we're, we're we're poised to do it now. Um, yeah, that's a I think that's a good place to pause. What? Uh, yeah, any any questions? Any anything um, you're thinking right now? Any clarifications? Anything blowing your mind? Anything confusing you? Anything frustrating you, Tom? God things up to work this way with the bishops and the, but there's flaws all over the place. And I'm trying to make sense out of how, like, was was it better before, and this was a bad period, a bad set of bishops, or, I mean, how do, how does it work affect? What was the intention? What was God thinking? <laughs> what, was, what was God thinking? Everybody's flawed individuals. That's how we're made. And then describing it, not only are people flawed in other areas of industries and work, but even the Catholic Church. Yeah. But it works, or or something. Yeah. Well, and and this is this is why I included these these quotes. Gregory of Nazianzen. I keep as far as possible from any meeting of bishops because I never knew a council with a happy ending nor one that did more did not do more harm than good. He's probably being a little tongue in cheek, but at the same time, he's saying, "Look, bishops are, are are human beings too. They're they're messy, messed up men." Uh, one of the Frank Sheed, who I already mentioned, great layman, great churchman. One of his one of his paragraphs and kind of his. Sort, it's a sort of a biography. One of his one of his uh, chapters is um, when I when I lost my awe for bishops, and so he just goes like when he when he finally realized, oh, they're just flawed, broken men who happen to happen to have fancy red clothes, um, and <laughs> he, he quotes another uh, bishop or car- cardinal. Uh, that he knew, and he said, we're, we call the cardinals the princes of the church, right? He says, 
only in, only in an institution like the Catholic Church could a slob like me be made a prince. And so we can, we can sometimes get this kind of like, you know, put, put the clergy, the, the bishops on this, on this pedestal and think that they're picked because of their, their amazingness and their holiness and their, you know, their intelligence. And no, not, not necessarily. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just a popularity contest. Um, I remember I used to think uh, the, uh, you know, the conclave, I'm like, I, I grew up, I grew up in the charismatic renewal. So in my mind, a conclave was a bunch of bishops going into a room, starting to pray in tongues and like pray over each other. And like, is this the person who's going to be the Pope? No, not that person. Well, maybe this person's going to be the Pope, you know, and they'll like come to like this unanimous consent that this was obviously the person that God, the, that was his ordained to be the, the Pope. And then when you read about any conclave, you're, you're immediately, you know, you're, all those visions are shattered. There's a lot of politicking, and a lot of it comes down to, I know that guy, I don't like that guy, uh, that guy's an idiot, we definitely don't want a French bish, uh, pope, you know, it's like that type of thing. Um, and so, on one hand, it can be discouraging. On the other hand, uh, I think that's a point we all got to get through and say, yeah, okay. The Lord can even use a bunch of messy, messed up men like the, the bishops in a conclave or in, um, in, in an ecumenical council. Yeah, Christopher? Yeah. How do, how do we? Yeah. And this is how do we know? How do we know that there's a novel theology? I mean, this is this is this is the conundrum of the church all all the time. And sometimes, sometimes well-meaning theologians are trying to trying to figure things out. I think Nestorius was. Um, I have some sympathy for Nestorius from all that I've read. Uh, but it's like he was trying to figure something out. He was trying to solve a problem and. The problem that he got into was not recanting when the others in the church were saying, no, 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 you're going the wrong way. You, you can't do that. But it's not often crystal clear, and it's not often clear till much later. And so this is why the, the fundamental disposition that we all have to have is uh, humility and obedience. All right, you know, I, I'm not, it's not mine to figure out, so I don't have to figure it out. Yeah, so that's one of that's one of the the urban legends that at the Council of Nicaea that uh, Saint Nicholas, whose feast day is tomorrow, you know the great Saint Nicholas, who's known for his kindness to widows and orphans, went up to Arius and punched him in the face. Now it's probably not true, but the fact that it gets passed along tells us something about our our general. Um, uh, our general feeling about councils and how um, uh, democratic they might be, you know. Tim. Um, forgive me if I missed it, if you already explained it, but why would we be in a better position now to implement it six years after the council? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I think what Ratzinger or Benedict was getting at when he said that was um, he was just seeing things in the church today 
that uh, were signs of promise that we finally, we're finally getting to the documents. You know, I, I'd read something recently that, uh, you know, it takes three generations for a council to be properly implemented. You know, we see some of these things in, you know, the first several councils where, oh, better, better get another one, <laughs> better get another one, before, before you even get to, you know, the three, third generation. Um, and, and it's hard, to, it's hard to, to parse all that out, but I look at my own experience. Uh, I was taught in seminary by predominantly priests and professors who were um, in their 40s and 50s. So, so, in other words, they weren't alive during the council. So they weren't affected by the spirit of the council in the same way that somebody who was um, in their 60s or 70s would have been. You know, so they could, they could go and like, well, I'm going I'm to read the documents. And then they taught us to read the documents. So the priests who are being ordained today and who are, being, who are in seminary today, they're reading the documents. They're not, they're not getting the, well, this is, this is what Vatican II said. Um, well, what about the documents? Ah, don't worry about the documents. This is this is what it, this is what it meant. This is what it was getting at. Um, and those, I mean, those are some of the the polemics. I mean, some people did that uh, with with ignorance and culpability. You know, they, they didn't they didn't know. They just thought that was what was supposed to happen. But some people did it with real, um, you know, they they knew they knew better. Um, more of the literal teaching. I think I think Benedict is just saying we're we're finally at a point where um, where we can we can get this you know. Would, it, would a kind of a somewhat comparison be to uh, sometimes it's better to wait until four hundred years before you declare a marrying operation. <laughs> Let the dust settle. I mean, I don't, I don't think that he was like thought it would take this long. I don't think nobody was hoping. You know, I mean, like you do a council, so I mean, there, there's a foreseeable. You could see it happening in a different way, and this is this is something that Benedict said too when he would talk about the council. He says, you know, there was some naivete on um, the the just the. The condition of the world and the the influence of the media, and if we had entered into that with a different mindset, might have come out a little bit better. You know, I think one of the things that the um, <clears throat> I, I heard that the the synod that was going on in Rome, they were trying not to have a lot of media influence, and I didn't hear a whole lot about it. Then again, I don't do a lot of news stuff anyway. Um, but I mean, that's, that's always the problem. Like this is leaked and then that's the truth, whether or not, this is the same thing, by the way, that happened with Humani Vitae in 1968, you know, Pope Paul VI has a commission to look at this question of the, the pill, uh, and whether this is, this is lawful or not. And it got, it got leaked out that, oh, the Pope's going to change the ruling. And so if you're already like, hey, Pope's going to, like, contraception's going to be okay, and then all of a sudden he says, no, you can't do that. Well, that's a lot worse than if nobody knows anything and he just comes out and says, nope, you still can't do that. Right? I mean, it's like 
It's like showing kid a bunch of candy and saying, and you can't have any of it, rather than just like not getting the candy out of the cupboard. Um, so I, th I think like there could have been a way where this could have gone, gone better, but again, the evil one, we, and we got we to think of it in that lens. We got to see the evil one is always in the room and he's always trying to mess things up. And he did a really good job at messing it up for a long, long time. And we're finally getting, and I'll, I'll show, again, when we get to the liturgical uh, controversy, I'll, I'll show you how many times the popes had to say, hey, okay, no, seriously, this time. Okay, nope, okay, still, you still can't do that. Um, and it's like way, 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 way into the... You know, when we were studying theology of the body, we'd get all mixed up because it would be the nuptial union, the spousal union. Why is he using different terms? You know, the more diligent scholars among us were perplexed. It turns out it was just bad translation. Right. One person was translating it one year because those offices <laughs> came out over five years. Yeah. And then Walsey came out with his fresh translation. Yeah, so, yeah, translations. I mean, translations wasn't the major problem in the Vatican Council, too, because nobody was reading the translations. <laughs> yeah, what, what else? What, uh, what else can we, we tackle here? But do you think it was the Council was like a good idea, but it was inefficient in ignorance, and there was, um, it was a mess, and, and God wanted it, and it just takes God long to purify that whole thing? This doesn't happen at the end of the council. And there's evil involved, incorporated into it. I, I just wonder if that's the design is to purify, make it efficient mm. over time. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the bad stuff, and it takes 60 years maybe to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think of something that St. Paul says early on. He says, There will be divisions among you so that the truth may be seen. You know, and so we can we can certainly see this all in God's providence that, yeah, he, he allowed it not to be just kind of received and there we go. Uh, but to but to have these these controversies and conflicts so that our, you know, our true colors could come out so we could we could see where we really stood so we could we could really think and wrestle with these things. And in, in, a, in some ways that might have been the, you know, the, the issue at, of the time. I mean, the other, the, other, the other part, you know, like, let's not overlook what else is happening in the 1960s, you know. Um, and so th this, this, is, this is playing a part as well. So I've, I've talked to, <clears throat> um, I like to talk to old people, older than anybody in this room, and uh, <laughs> 90 year old people. And, it, and it's interesting by generation what how they how they experience certain things, and and that generation in particular, I said, well, how did you how did you deal with a lot of the changes after Vatican II? And um, it's like, well, we just we just did what the priest told us to do, and that was very much that generation. Whereas the next generation is like, we did exactly the opposite of what the priest told us to do, <laughs> you know. And so you have you have this you have this cultural revolution going on and. Um, you know, all sorts of uh, other things that, you know, if Vatican II had happened in a different, in a different era, would it have, have been different? Yeah, but that's, that's not the era that it ha happened in. 
Um, this is the era that it happened in. And maybe, maybe we couldn't have had those conversations if it happened at a different time. Maybe uh, we wouldn't have gotten the right things on the table to, to discuss if it had happened at a different time. So I don't think we have to um, be in love with Vatican II. Um, I don't think we, we certainly can't say that um, it's, it's erroneous. Um, you could say, like Cardinal Newman, ah, I don't think it was a, a good timing. I don't think it was prudent. Maybe we should have done it in a different time, different way, different place. All those are fair game. But what we, what we have is these documents, which, you know, when we actually get to the documents themselves, say, wow, there's some, there's some good stuff here. Maybe, maybe we should read it. <laughs> is there some bad stuff? Because I didn't read it. <clears throat> Uh, no, no. There's just a perception of it, and we just went a different way, and we shouldn't have, because everything in there is solid, or is it, was this, yeah, I mean, we, we, can, we can get it. Let's, we'll, let's get into that. We'll get into some of the, the documents in particular, uh, maybe next time, because I think that that is helpful. Uh, there were certainly places where uh, different ideologies, like, pounced on them, like, ooh, that therefore this you know and either they they ran in uh, a, a direction that was beyond the scope of what the the church was um, wanting us to do or they said ah see that they changed something essential that's heresy we're gonna we're gonna fortify over here in our in our, our little cave you know so but th- but this is you know so imprecision um you know, a vague, a vague line, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's scripture, you know? I mean, scripture has a billion different interpretations, so are we expecting that, you know, we're all going to have one unanimous interpretation of what, um, what these documents say? The, the way that we understand the documents, though, is, I'll, I'll touch on this right now, but uh, this will be a major conversation later, is through the lens of continuity, always got to see it in the lens of continuity this this is how the the church grows it grows organically it grows in a continuous way it it is not if we see a break vatican ii is a break and we love that break and want to see more of this new novel stuff well that's that's erroneous ecclesiology and if we think it broke and therefore we got to stay back in the 1950s where it's safe and everything was secure that's that's an erroneous ecclesiology if, if there was a break, then the church actually isn't much of a church at all. Uh, lo, uh, Barb, well, you had a... Are, do any of the documents deal with the religious? Because there was such... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, could you repeat that question? Did, did any of the documents have to do with the religious? Yeah, there is a whole document on um, religious and... Um, and, you know, I've, I, there's, there's, a line, there's a line in it uh, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to talk about uh, this, so if I find it in the next few seconds, I'll let you know. But um, I can I can see how I can see a certain line really. Okay, I guess I could see how they would take that and either misunderstand it or like hold on to that as like yeah, you know. And the line is the 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 religious habit should be updated to be a sign of consecration that is um, 
you know, up to, up to date with the modern world. And so immediately what you think of is, you know, these nuns who are wearing these big, huge, flappy things and then like trying to drive a car. Like, okay, well, that seems like a really bad idea. You know, 500 years ago, that's great. Wear whatever you want. But today, let's, let's trim that back a little bit. If you read that and said, great, we don't have to wear the habit anymore, I think that's a, mis- I think that's a total misread, unless you really wanted to misread it that way. But when you, I mean, you talk to um, the old nuns, I mean, like, it was just a confusing time. And so I think there was a little bit of both, you know, like, yay, and wait, what? That's not quite how I understood it. Isn't that what it pretty much boils down to is a lot of the extreme breaks from tradition or just because Right. So, I mean, some, sometimes, certainly, but I think sometimes there was just confusion. Uh, so, I mean, uh, a priest friend of mine had, has a great uncle who, uh, he may have gone to the Lord by now, um, but he was a young, he was a young associate pastor uh, during the time of the council. And their pastor, it was him and another associate, their pastor went on, went on a vacation. And he and the other associate knew that it was their God-given duty to demolish the high altar. And like while their pastor was on vacation because he wasn't going to do it, they're like, we have to do this because like we know that this is what the council is, is saying to do. Even though we obviously don't find that anywhere in the documents. And this man, like, like to the day he died, he's wearing a cassock. You know, because he like, he's like, I don't know what was, what was happening, but like that's what we thought was supposed to happen. So there was good, um, good-meaning people who just like swept up in the, the spirit of the age, uh, in in some respect. Um, so, uh, Deacon Mike, as uh, one of your younger, older people, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was having my pre-vatic issue and then uh, lived my adult life post-vatic issue, and I think what caused a lot of angst amongst the lay people was. Yes. Uh, as an example, in high school, I went to my first football game, and the guy stopped at the hamburger stand, and everybody was ordering hamburgers on Friday night, and I, what do I do, you know? And so I said, oh, they got a cheeseburger. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I said, I'll have a cheeseburger. Well, I get it. It's not a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you're so right. Yeah, so so again, here's it's it's not it's not a malicious thing in all all cases. Uh, this is this is an instance where I think a lot of the a lot of the I mean I, I've been perusing the documents again, and some of them like, hey, priests need to be formed so that they know how to you know, and like the priest should teach the people, and you're like, well, did that happen? Well, I don't know. I mean, it really falls to the bishop to make sure that he's teaching his priest to teach the people and what's happening. And there's stuff coming out at all different times and ways and directions that, I mean, I mean I've heard stories too of, you know, like you go to Mass and every week something, something's different. You know, and 
not not little things. I mean, big things like, oh, there's no communion rail anymore. Oh, now mass is in English. Oh, now there's women in the sanctuary. Oh, now everybody gets to distribute communion. Oh, and, you know, it's like, what's what's going on? And there was not any like, hey, this is why we're doing it, and here's the here's the homily to explain the beauty of the liturgy and et cetera, et cetera. Jacob. Yeah, oh. Yeah. At, at the time, where people were eager to make changes and do things, and were um, not patient in waiting for that to be solidified. Yeah. The teaching. Solidified. Yeah. 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 They were just they were just running away with it, and uh, yeah. Again, you you have documents saying, "Hey, this something's going to change," and then, great, we'll help. <laughs> yeah, Jacob. Um, so there weren't a lot of other, I mean, so again, we keep coming back to the, the liturgical stuff, which, you know, out of this whole big, huge book is, you know, like, uh, a, you know, like this much of it, <laughs> you know, yeah, like this much, like, right, right. <clears throat> no, but I, I mean, I think, yeah, and I think that, I think that's good because what do we know about, I mean, some people probably like, yeah, Vatican II, it's the, it's the document that changed the liturgy. That's, that's what it did. That's what it was called for. That's what it existed for. And um, that, was, that was certainly a, a little part of it. But yeah, we see these, these big things. Um, I mean, every council had some sort of uh, you know, aftermath, like we talked about in the beginning, where like, people, they, they weren't listening. You know? And I think probably in a lot of them, I mean, you're like people going and killing people and <laughs> things like this. Some of the some of the councils were had been called for the iconoclast controversy, which was having statues and things like this. And I don't know what happened after those, but I'm betting that people were like, oh yeah, you can't tell me not to smash your statue. Smash statue. Um, so uh, yeah, but as far as far as um, because th- what's different here is we went from like Hey, I mean, basically, we're status quo and everything's fine. To so, so I think I think perhaps it is unique in in that way. Vatican II kind of started a fire that wasn't um, wasn't necessarily burning. Uh, again, not that not that everything was perfect. We're not painting that picture, but we started we started running in all sorts of different directions. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We wouldn't. We don't know what. What. What would have. What would have happened. Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, I think once we get into the liturgy stuff, I think that'll be um, pretty helpful uh, and and telling. So it's it's just about eight o'clock. So let's just wrap up there. Um, but yeah, great great conversation. This is a lot of fun. So we'll um, same time, same place next week. And we'll uh, we'll dive into some of the documents a little bit, and um, yeah, come with come with questions. Read uh, read some of this this book, and if anything is um, yeah percolating, then you can bring that as well. And I listed the I listed a link to the documents on here as well. I would I would encourage you um, uh, 
to read Sacrosanctum Concilium. Um, I can't give you homework because what would I do? Fail you? Um, but it's, it's worth actually reading. Uh, I don't think we'll go in depth to it until the, the next week, but um, you could, if nothing else, say the next time somebody, a priest asks you, has anybody read Sacrosanctum Concilium? You all be able to raise your hand. Like, yeah, I've read that. So, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks,